Thanks, Lest. And it really is good to see young guys coming through City Youth, falling more in love with Jesus, and then playing in our morning gatherings. Etienne is a real blessing to see young guys like you giving yourself to the things of God. Um, I want to encourage you, if you've got any high schoolers that you know or that are still in your home, invite them to that conference in October. Who knows what God might do? You might think, hey, they won't come. Let's see. Extend their invite at least. Great, let me just organize my notes here quickly because I've got them all back to front. I'll just start like that. Um, yeah, if you've never met me, my name is Vaughan and I'm, I'm one of the pastors here at City. And we are in a series uh, that we simply call Gifted. By the way, it's just so good to see some faces in the room. More than 50. Isn't it exciting to all be together? So we are in a series and it's called Gifted. And uh, it's a series really just about the spiritual gifts. And as we, as we look at this series, I really felt over the last couple of weeks listening to other people preach and as I prepared, God's saying that this isn't just another spiritual gift series. It's so possible for us to just really think, oh, you are spiritual gifts again. No, God is wanting us to sit up, take note, because He's wanting to speak to us at this time in, in, in our lives. Because, uh, you know, Jesus, when He came to the earth, He would look at crowds of people and He would say things like this. They harassed You'll give us your heart concerning people and help us to understand uh, where spiritual gifts can play a role in you, you showing your love to people. Lord, I pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. If you haven't been here for the last couple of weeks, I wanna really just encourage you to go and listen to the other preachers on YouTube because it's gonna help you when it comes to things like the gift of faith, miracles, healing, encouragement give you some principles to apply to your life when it comes to those gifts. But today we're gonna to be looking at uh, two new gifts and it's from the same passage of Scripture that we've been in over the last couple of weeks. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse one. We're gonna jump around a little bit. I'm not gonna read all of it because we have done it in the last couple of weeks. 1 Corinthians 12, verse one. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit a word of wisdom, to another a word of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, just that far. We've seen over the last couple of weeks that there are many gifts, that they work in different ways, but actually at the end of the day, God is behind each one of them. God is at work. These gifts are given for the common good. It's not for us to uh, have niceties and have a whole lot of entertainment. They're given for the common good to strengthen God's people and to build them up. But it goes way beyond just strengthening God's people because these gifts have a supernatural nature. When you look at them and you realize, sure, God gave this person, uh, they prayed for somebody and He gave them a gift of healing and somebody was actually healed. There's a supernatural nature to these gifts. Supernatural nature that God wants us to recognize but not get caught up with. It's not about the supernatural. It's about the love of God that is just simply shown through the supernatural. He loves people and when we see the supernatural happening, it's really just a signpost to His love. It's a signpost to Jesus and His great salvation. That's where our thinking should go. 
not just, okay, cool, miracles. So we're gonna be looking at two gifts today, the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. We're gonna look at some examples and then we're gonna ask ourselves the question, what now? What uh, does that mean for us? So firstly, what is the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge? Here's a definition for the word of wisdom. It's when God reveals wisdom that you would not yourself have or discern for a given situation or problem. Let me read that again. It's when God reveals wisdom that you would not yourself have or discern for a given situation or problem. It's a word of wisdom. Word of knowledge is when God reveals some fact or detail about the past or present that you would not otherwise have known. When God reveals some fact or detail about the past or present that you would not otherwise have known. You see, the wisdom and the knowledge that the Bible is talking about here is not something that comes through life experience. It is not something that comes through study. It is something that comes because God reveals it by His Spirit. I want you to notice that it's a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge. That means that God gives a portion of His knowledge and a portion of His wisdom. So if there's somebody that moves in these uh, gifts or has these gifts, they should never claim to have superior knowledge or superior wisdom. And we should never think that's the person I should go to if I want superior knowledge or superior wisdom. Because these gifts are given for a moment in time for, for another person and they're given as God would, would want to give them. Now when you read scripture, it's not always so easy to distinguish between the two. Often they seem to overlap as we've said in previous weeks. You, can't have, you don't have this definite definition, but you can, can get some clarity from, from Scripture, obviously. They overlap with other gifts. So gift of, of the word of knowledge and wisdom will overlap often with prophecy or with the gift of healings. All of this said, I think it's good to understand that usually the gift of wisdom is associated with God revealing a way of thinking or a way of doing or a way of responding to something. And when it comes to the word of knowledge, it's God revealing facts about something. Some examples. You know, when we look for examples, uh, when it comes to any of the gifts, the primary source for us finding any information should be scripture, should be the Bible. Should be what the Bible says. Why? Because it's going to help us to have the correct motivation to decide for these gifts in the first place. It's going to give us an idea of how God did things throughout. And the way God did things is it was never just for the show. It was always for the person. It was always that He wanted to bring a person out of something and show that person His love. But it's never just, hey, a fancy show and hey, everybody come now. The heart of Jesus is to see people's lives changed and come to know Him. So in Corinthians, we see that Paul names a whole lot of different gifts. There are many, they work in different ways. God is behind every single one. But when we read Scripture, for examples, we don't see things like, and now Paul, by the word of knowledge, did X, Y, Z. Or now Ruth, by the word of wisdom, said X, Y, Z. You don't see that. What you see is ordinary people God's people, those who know God, doing supernatural things. And when we see 
ordinary people, God's people doing supernatural things, we need to sit up and recognize that God is at work and is at work through His people by His Spirit. And so, it's so important for us to get that there are many different gifts. Paul gives us a list so that we don't get into like this narrow way of thinking about how God works. We would just clump everything in supernatural when we saw a lot of these miracles, and it is, but sometimes God does it to different people in different ways. And He gives us a list of gifts so that we can understand it's maybe a far broader than what we might anticipate. And so it's important as we look at Scripture as our example to uh, look at Jesus. I mean, what did Jesus do? You might say to me, hey, of course Jesus. I mean, Jesus was God. He's all-knowing. He's all-wise. You see, the Bible teaches that when Jesus came to earth, He was fully God, and at the same time, He was fully man. Philippians says it like this, Philippians 2 verse 6 who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. What is it telling us? That Jesus was fully God, but he did not uh, use this to his advantage. He made himself nothing, the Bible says. It's kind of like a king. He looks out over his people and he thinks, I wanna, but I wanna understand how they are living. I wanna go into their world. And so he leaves the palace, leaves all his royal robes, buys some property in the neighborhood, um, eats in the neighborhood, goes to the doctors and hospitals that are in that neighborhood. He's 100% the king. But he's not, um, he's, he's not relying on his rights as a king. You see, Jesus gets baptized in water and we see the Holy Spirit coming upon him. And Jesus gets up in Luke chapter four and he says that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me, anointed me to preach um, the gospel to the poor and to heal up the broken hearted. Powering of the Holy Spirit because he was fully man while he was fully God. Just like David needed to be anointed to be king Jesus needs to be anointed by the Holy Spirit to do the works of his Father. And we need to be empowered by the Spirit to do that he would give us to do. So it's really with that understanding that I want us to look at some examples of Jesus. Because Jesus had to rely on the Holy Spirit, had to see what his Father was doing, rely on the Holy Spirit to do the things that he did. And here are some of those things. John 1 verse 43 to 49 the next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote. Jesus was of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth, Nathanael asked? Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said of him, yet truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. And Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. And then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God, you are the king of Israel. 
Jesus' father by the Holy Spirit shows him that Nathanael is sitting underneath a tree. Philip comes excited to Nathanael, tells him we've met, met, uh, met Jesus. Nathanael is the great excitement crusher and uh, he doesn't want to hear anything of it because, hey, this guy's from Nazareth. Little old Nazareth. And then Jesus says he saw him under the fig tree before Philip called him. And the lights come on and he recognizes Jesus as the son of God, the king of Israel. A word of knowledge changing a guy's life and helping him to see who Jesus really was. Matthew 22, verse 15 to 21. Then the Pharisees went out, laid plans to trap him in his words. They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Teacher, they said, we know that you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? But Jesus, knowing the evil intent, said, you hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? Show me the coin used for paying the tax, and they did. And he asked them, whose image is this and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then he said to them, so give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. Jesus knew by a word of knowledge that they were trying to trap him. And then through a word of wisdom, he responds to them. They wanted to trap him and cause him to take a political uh, position. A position where either he would, he would uh, alienate himself from the Jews or he would commit treason against Caesar. But Jesus instead takes a spiritual position, as he would. He took a position that, give to Caesar what Caesar's give to God, what is God's, a word of wisdom. That's the life of Jesus. What about the apostles? You read about Paul and he's en route uh, as a prisoner to Rome and the ship uh, hits a storm and an angel wakes him up during the night and says, hey, listen, don't worry. You guys are gonna actually all be uh, fine, but the ship is gonna run aground. 14 days later, that storm is still carrying on and they're now really approaching land. In fact, it's getting shallower and shallower by the minute. And Acts chapter 27 says this, verse 29. Fearing that we should, we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let down the lifeboat into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. And then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. Man's wisdom, sailor's wisdom in this instance, get onto that lifeboat and get out of there. God's wisdom, stay on the ship and then you'll be saved. Then you'll be rescued. Can I just as a sidebar say this? That when it comes to God's rescuing and God's saving, His way is always different to ours. God's way is, Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. Nobody can come to Him but by the Father. Nobody can come to the Father other than through Jesus. Nobody can get to heaven other than through Jesus. Man says there's many ways, many ways to get to Jesus. Jesus says, listen, you can't work for this thing, it's a gift of salvation. Come to me, I'll change you. We as man in our wisdom think, hey, I'll try and sort my life out or I will work uh, for my salvation, but to receive it as a gift, I'm not gonna do that. 
so different to God's wisdom when it comes to Him rescuing us. Here's another one, Acts chapter five, verse one to three. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back the part of money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? See, people would sell their property and put it at the apostles' feet, the money, and Ananias was making as if he was putting the whole amount down. I think if he had just been said, hey, that's 50%, God would have been happy, but he lied to the Holy Spirit. He lied to the Holy Spirit and, 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 and to God, and God gives Peter a word of knowledge to know that. So that's Jesus and the apostles. What about the people of God in the Old Testament? Was this just a New Testament thing? Was it an Old Testament thing too? 2 Samuel 12, verse one to seven, we read about Nathan and David. And Nathan starts out uh, by telling David a story. He says there was a rich man, there was a poor man. Rich man had lots of cattle, poor man had one little lamb. Little lamb that had come up through the family, the family had fed it, they'd held it in their arms. And then this is what happens. Verse four of chapter 12. Now a traveler came to the rich man, but the rich man refrained from taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare for a meal for the traveler who had come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who had come to him. And David burned with anger against the man and said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. And then Nathan looks at David and says, David, you are that man. God gives Nathan knowledge of David's sin, not to point David out, but because God loves David. God's heart is always when we sin that we would be quick to repent. And if I'd carried on reading, you would have seen that is exactly what David did. The first words after this is that David repented. And when we get to the New Testament, we see that uh, the Bible speaks of David as a man after God's own heart. And yet he had done a terrible thing. He had committed adultery and he had murdered in order to do it. We might consider that as, sure, that's like the worst that you can go. But God would forgive him if he would repent. Maybe there's somebody here today and you've done something. And you wonder whether God will forgive you. God's showing you today that he's able to forgive. He was able to forgive somebody who became a, who, who, who was king like David and you can change your life. You might look like right now, it's terrible. But if you repent and you turn to him, you can have an end to your story that is similar to David's. A person after God's own heart. Here's another one. Second Kings. Well, First Kings, I'm gonna actually do, guys. So skip that first one, uh, the screen, guys. First Kings 17, verse seven to nine. Story of Elijah. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I've directed a widow there to supply you with food. God gives Elijah knowledge that he's spoken to a widow to supply him with food. He gives uh, Elijah knowledge of where the widow is and directs him there. And um, the amazing thing 
is that when he gets there, not only does God end up caring for Elijah, because that's why God did this. He cared for Elijah. He cared for the widow too. She only had a little bit of flour and a little bit of oil for one day's uh, meal, her and her son. Elijah prays and that lasts until the end of the drought. Just another miracle, just God doing his thing again. No, God deeply caring for Elijah, for the widow and her son. See the difference, not just a miracle. Yes, fantastic it was, but God loving and caring. So you might say, oh, Vaughan, that's really great. Yeah, Jesus, we can get, uh, the apostles, we can get, you know, you even gave some examples of some prophets in there. Obviously, God gives them knowledge and wisdom. What about somebody like, like me? I'm just somebody who loves Jesus, follows Jesus. Could Jesus uh, use me like this too? Could he give me a knowledge, word of knowledge and a word of wisdom for someone? Well, absolutely he can. And if this next story doesn't excite you, then I think you are a little bit dead. You need to listen to this next story and recognize that God uses everyone. Acts chapter nine, verse 10 to 16 says this. In Damascus, there was a disciple called Ananias. Not the same guy that we read about just now. Um, it looks like that was the thing. They used to open their baby book names and Ananias was the first one on the list because it starts with an A. And um, Ananias was just the person. Anyway, the Lord calls to Ananias in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Verse 17, then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, it's just a regular guy, Ananias, and God says to him, hey, listen, I've given this guy, Paul, a vision of you coming to pray for him, gives him knowledge of that, and then gives him knowledge of where Paul is staying, like gives him actual directions, and then tells him uh, through wisdom what he needs to do. You need to lay your hands on him so he can receive his sight and receive the Holy Spirit. And that's exactly what happens. And you're an ordinary person, maybe we might think in our book, somebody who just loves Jesus, just a disciple following Him, sets up one of the most important people that we read about in Scripture, other than Jesus Himself, for the ministry that He was gonna do for Jesus. Can you imagine the encouragement that came to Paul's heart when this guy that he had seen in the vision arrives at his door and it's like, hey, who are you? Oh, Ananias, oh sure. You know, fall down. God, has, God must have spoken to me. You see how God uses these things to encourage His people. And so we look at Scripture and we see that consistently, I'm gonna say that again, consistently God will use the gift of the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge. Old Testament, New Testament. Apostles, just people who love Jesus. Everybody in between. He uses them. And so it's not surprising that God will do the same thing today. I wanted us to start there because that's the most important place, Scripture. But God is still doing the same thing today. And here's why. John chapter 14 says this in verse 12. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. Why should we anticipate it today? Because Jesus said so. 
Jesus said, when I go, you're gonna do greater things than I did. In other words, you're gonna do this, you're gonna see this happening more regularly than what you maybe did see with, with, with uh, me. It's gonna happen on a greater scale because there's more of you. It's not just me, it's every single person who knows me with a spirit inside of them um, that can see this uh, take place in and through their lives. I want you to notice it says whoever believes. Are you a whoever this morning? Are you a whoever? I hope you're a whoever. Otherwise, I'm not too sure what I would call you. But you're in a whoever, and if you believe in Jesus, then, then Paul is encouraging you to eagerly desire these spiritual gifts. Not to say that you're spiritual, not to say that you're a fantastic person, but because Jesus uses his gifts to show other people his love. And so let's look at a couple of examples that I've experienced in my own life, some examples that I've heard about and, uh, and, and know the people who are verified or they verified examples. And so uh, first one is a guy that was preaching, kind of like me, he got to the end of the preach and he felt God saying, God wants to touch people with back problems. So he called them down uh, to the front and people gathered around and they began to pray, sidebar quickly. Sometimes somebody's gonna get a word of knowledge and sometimes other people are gonna gather around and they're gonna pray and they're gonna see the healing. That's how God works. It's for the common good. Every single one of us doing what God has called us to do so that other people's lives can be touched. Anyway, back to the story. While he's standing there, he's feeling like, you know, there's somebody who has had a back problem for years and they still haven't come up. And so he says so. Nobody comes. So he, says, he feels God saying, this person went to the doctor this week. So he says, you went to the doctor this week, God's encouraging you to come up. Nobody. Feels God saying, the person's name is Sandy. He says, Sandy, God is speaking to you. He's wanting to touch your back today, won't you come up so that we can pray for you? Sandy was in that church for the very first time. From what I understand, she knew who Jesus was. I think she just got discouraged of having people pray for her again. This is for everybody else, but it's not for me, but not in Jesus' eyes that day. Jesus' eyes that day, he wanted to speak directly to Sandy. Wanted to say, hey Sandy, it's your time. Hey Sandy, care about you. Hey Sandy, I see you. She came up, they prayed for her, her back was healed. There were some people in the, in, in the room that knew her, and they said they can't believe it, they know Sandy, family or friends and she's battled with this back problem for years. That's the kind of thing that Jesus can do. I used to be involved with uh, outreaches many years ago. We used to go out on a Saturday evening. We'd do a whole lot of preparation on a Saturday afternoon by way of praying and making food and all of that for the people that we would meet. And uh, on a particular Saturday afternoon, we just felt God saying, you're gonna speak to people who are suicidal. And then he began to lead us to some passages of scripture that we could share with uh, those people when we went out that evening. Well, surprise, surprise, that's exactly the people that we spoke to on that particular evening. Not because we are clever, not because we hadn't spoken to people before, we'd been out on many occasions, but on that particular evening, God had some people's numbers, why? Because He loved them dearly. He loved them dearly and wanted to make Himself known. Husband and wife came to come and see me for some counseling. Spoke to the wife and I asked her, you know, so what, what, what's wrong? She said, I don't feel loved, I don't feel cherished. I feel like a terrible wife. 
So I said, okay, well, explain to me, what is it? Is there something that your husband does that you don't like? Not much, not much intel. Is there something that your husband doesn't do that you would like him to do? Still not so much intel. So I said to her, you know, it's quite difficult, I'm sure, for your husband to hear you say you feel like this, but you can't clarify how you're wanting to be loved or what your expectation is. And as I was saying that, I felt God put this thought in my heart. It's the mother, it's because of the mother-in-law. And so I said, and what is, can you tell me what the mother-in-law, your mother-in-law has to do with this? And she began to weep. She said, I love my mother-in-law, I love my husband. She said, as, as, as a value in our families, it's family forever, marriage forever. But there's one thing that my mother-in-law does that I don't like. She tells me how I must cook the food for my husband. Tells me what he likes, what he doesn't like, and what I'm not doing right. And so I feel like a terrible wife. And all I want is for my husband to just speak to her. But I am so nervous that it's gonna destroy this value forever family, forever marriage. Firstly, forever marriage, if I tell my husband this is how I'm feeling. And secondly, if we have to speak to my mother-in-law, what's it gonna do? And then I really feel like God gave me a word of wisdom. I looked at the husband, I said to him, listen, you need to go to your mom, you need to say to her, listen, I know how much of a value forever family and forever marriage is to us as a family. And if you keep on interfering like this, it's gonna be very difficult to uphold that value. You need to stop. You could see it was like white in the face almost. So nervous of going to his mom, who would like to? When you're telling our mom, parent what to do. But he did. And everything changed from that day. She didn't get angry. And there was resolution between uh, them as a family. That's the kind of thing that God can do. David Pawson, some of you might have heard of him, pastor. He had uh, three couples come to him and um, they were wanting him to marry them. He has a bit of the backstory though. The three girls were all friends and they had grown up in school, college, really close friends. And so before they ever met their spouses, they decided that they want to get married together one day with, the, with each other when they get married. And not only that, but they want to move into a home together after they're married. Yeah, you can see already some human wisdom going on here. He's just saying, yeah, absolutely. They're gonna make a hash of this. That's not the right idea. David uh, Pawson thought exactly the same thing. But he also knew if he was gonna say something to them, they weren't gonna receive it well. And so he shot up a prayer. He said, God, just give me something wise to say, yeah. And so they looked at him and they said, so will you marry us? And he said, yes, uh, we'll definitely marry you guys. Um, but as long as you guys are willing to do your vows five times, once to your spouse and then once to each of the other four people that you're gonna be moving in with. And they were taken aback and they looked at each other and they looked at him and he said, well, yeah, you're moving in together and you're gonna live with each other afterwards. So obviously you've gotta make your vows to each other. And they were like, no, we're not keen on that. And they didn't move in together. See the wisdom of God in a moment, he knew it was wrong. David knew it was wrong, but what he said was given to him by God. You know, God loves us so much. He loves people so much. And he simply wants to use us to make his love known in people's lives. To sometimes share his wisdom with them. 
had a young girl. She came um, up to the front. Many years ago, I wasn't even a pastor at, the, at, at that stage for some prayer and for some counseling. I pulled in one of the ladies because that's what I normally do if I'm praying for somebody of the opposite sex. And she said, I feel like God doesn't love me. I feel like God doesn't find me valuable. And so I was ready to go to a passage of scripture to just kind of show her just how valuable she is to God. And then the lady that was with me said, hey, is it possible to just go into a a side room? Just where there's a little bit of privacy. And she said, listen, never had this before, but I feel like God is putting on my heart that you're sleeping with your boyfriend. And the girl began to sob. She said, I love Jesus so much. I've let him down so badly. I've repented and I've gone back. I've repented and I've gone back. And this lady said to her, you know, God wasn't showing me what, what, what had happened because he w- was wanting to point finger at you, but you can see the emotional turmoil that is bringing to yourself in your relationship with God and you're thinking about yourself and he's wanting to stop that cycle. He's wanting you to repent and not turn back. He's wanting you to repent and turn away. That's exactly what she did. But it was because of a word of knowledge that came to that person. Can I tell you that I've only experienced once in my life? I don't think that's a regular occurrence. For whatever reason, God wanted to speak to that young girl that day because he had a plan and a future for her and he could see where she found herself. So what now? We see that, that uh, it's throughout the Testaments, it's all of God's people that can uh, be given these uh, gifts. We, can, we see that it comes in different ways. Sometimes it's a vision, sometimes it's a dream, sometimes it's an audible voice, sometimes it's a thought. We see that it does different things. It encourages them, assures them, directs them. Brings conviction sometimes. Different purposes, but ultimately it's all out of God's love for them. What does the Bible encourage us to do? What is the what now? Eagerly desire spiritual gifts. That's what the Bible encourages us to do. Eagerly desire these gifts. How do we do that? We eagerly desire them and we ask God for them. And then we do what we already know is important to do. If you're wanting to be somebody who who has an understanding of God's knowledge and wisdom, then you need to be in His Word regularly. That is God's pattern. It's not, hey, um, He doesn't regularly speak to us by a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge. He speaks to us from Scripture. That's where we get to know His voice. That's where we get to learn how, what, what, what He is saying. And we need to find ourselves uh, regularly there. And then prayer. Prayer is talking to God, having Him talk back to us. Again, mostly through Scripture. Maybe add something to your prayer. Instead of just focusing on all of the stuff uh, that you're busy facing, which God cares about, Maybe add a little bit and say, hey, Lord, is there somebody we want to put on my heart today? Begin to pray for them if he does. Maybe then ask God, is there a verse that you would love me to send them? And if he gives you a verse, pass it on to them, encourage them. Sometimes God is going to show us something that he doesn't want us to pass on, he just wants us to pray. 
I had some great friends, looked like they were gonna get married for sure, weren't engaged yet. Was having my devotions one day and, and God just said, they're hitting heads a little bit, but they'll get married. Okay, great. In that week, I spoke to them and, and that was the case. They said, you know, we are hitting our heads a little bit. Do you think I said to them, hey, listen guys, don't stress it. You're gonna get married, God says. No. Because I don't even know if they knew that they were gonna get married yet. It looked like it to everybody on the outside. You see, a lot of these uh, examples that we looked at, God had already spoken to Paul. When Ananias came, hey, that's the guy. That's the guy, Ananias. Some, we've got to be uh, mature enough to put it on hold until we understand what God wants to do with it. And sometimes that is merely just to pray. Yes, those guys got married. I never ever told them about the word. No, why? Because all God had wanted me to do was pray. And then last thing I would encourage you to do is to be a people uh, that desire this. Why? Because of the law of love. Because Jesus loves people and this is one of the means that He uses in order to reach them. He's gonna predominantly use us preaching His message, the Word of God. But there are gonna be occasions when He is gonna use these spiritual gifts. And if He chooses to use those spiritual gifts to show somebody His love, I'm in for it. And we should all be in for it. We're gonna wrap up with a last story before we pray and the band comes up. The band will come up now. There was a lady, she was harassed, helpless, hopeless. Life had, 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 had hit her hard. It hit her so hard that she had decided that she's going to do life a little bit differently and live in an isolated way. She didn't wanna be in the space of people, didn't wanna do the stuff that people uh, regularly wanted to do. I'm sure she wanted to do it, but she just didn't wanna see people while she was doing it. Even something simple like taking a drink of water was something that she um, changed by way of her lifestyle, living in isolation. And so she heads out at 12 o'clock to a well to go and get some water, thinking it's gonna be another normal day where she won't see anybody. But who does she find at the well? She finds Jesus. She finds Jesus at the well. And Jesus asks her to bring her husband. And she says, I don't have a husband. And this is where Jesus, knowing this lady's background and everything that she's been through speaks so beautifully to her. Because I'm sure she thought nobody knows. Nobody cares. Jesus says to her, you're right when you say you don't have a husband. You've had five. And the one that you're with right now isn't your husband. All of a sudden she realizes Jesus sees her. Jesus sees what's happened and Jesus cares. That lady that woke up that morning not thinking that she would go to a place where their people rushes into town. She goes into town and she says to all the people, hey, it's me. Come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. And they come and see and many put their faith and trust in Jesus that day. What was happening? Just another miracle. Just another super thing supernatural. No, Jesus, seeing someone that needed His touch and needed Him to reach right into that space where she felt the most uh, broken and bring life again. 
bring restoration. And so He does it. Not only is her life impacted, but the town's lives are impacted. Do you want Jesus to use you in ways similar to that? As the Word is preached and as you are empowered by the Spirit, won't you desire that God would um, give you some of these gifts just to assist? Why? Because He loves to reveal Himself through them. I'm gonna ask you to stand. I'm gonna pray for us. First group of people I wanna pray for is maybe some people that have never put their faith in Jesus. Maybe you have put your faith in Jesus, but you feel like you have done something really terrible that is unforgivable. And Jesus is simply saying through the multiple stories that you've heard uh, possibly today, that He's saying to you, no, it's forgivable. And He's reaching out His hand and saying, come to me. The end of your journey can look so different to where your journey is at right now. But what's it gonna take? It's gonna take repentance. It's gonna take a turning away, but He'll even help you to do that. Is anybody like that? Yeah, today I want you to, just in your heart, and maybe you'd want to come and speak to me later afterwards. But if that's you, I wanna pray for you. I'm not gonna ask you to put your hands up because obviously some of the things we've spoken about today might be sensitive and now God might actually be speaking to you about sexual immorality that's going on in your heart or in your life. And you're recognizing today that it's not God's way and it's hurting you. So I don't wanna call for hands so that people assume all kinds of things, but I want your hearts to rise. I want your hearts to go up and say, Jesus, that's me. I want you in your hearts to say, Jesus, I need your forgiveness. Save me, forgive me, make me your child. Lead me in your ways. Won't you do that this morning? And I wanna pray for a group of us who are simply just saying, we've been looking at these gifts once today, previous weeks, and God's doing something in our hearts and just saying, hey, eagerly desire them. That's you, I wanna pray for us. I'll put my hand up every single week. I want every single one of these gifts. It's up to Jesus how He distributes them. I'm quite happy with that. He can do it as He wants, but I'm gonna desire them. Is that you? Can I pray for you? My hand's up. Anybody else? Let's pray. I'm gonna pray first for that first group of people. Father, I wanna pray for people that were putting their hearts up to say, I wanna follow you, Jesus. Lord, I pray today. Pray today, Lord, will be a day of change. Lord, a day of not repenting and going back, but a day of repenting and breaking with that thing until the time is right. Lord, I wanna pray. Lord, for those of us who have got our hands up and are saying, Lord, we, we eagerly desire spiritual gifts. Lord, today, we're desiring those gifts not to be fancy, not for entertainment. Lord, we're desiring those gifts because you've given them that so that people can uh, see a little bit of who Jesus is. Lord, we pray today that you'll mature us in this, that you'll help us to desire those gifts. And Lord, that those who've got our hands up, that you would give us those gifts. Lord, we ask for this in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Let this be your heart's cry as we sing this song. We always wanna be a people who build our lives on Jesus so that we know Him and so we can make Him known. Let's sing, thanks guys.